0: Blog Talk Radio. How's it going out there, everyone? We took a little hiatus, but we're back here on the Diardo Show. My name is Brian Diardo. Brian Rosen, our other host, will be joining us here in a few moments. Took last week off, but we're back, and uh, I'm excited for this show. We're going to be talking about the World Baseball Classic, won by the Team USA, started Major League Baseball season. I actually got my uh, my fantasy uh, draft tomorrow with, with my dad and his uh, – His uh, co-workers, we won last year. Uh, My dad was pretty much the general manager, and I was an absentee uh, owner of the team. So I have to carry my weight a little bit more this year. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, the Cavaliers haven't been playing too well near the end of the season. So we're going to talk about their struggles. And uh, the NHL, man, what a finish we've got going on in the Metropolitan Division. The Blue Jackets, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals battling it out for the President's Cup. We've got Brian on the line. Brian, how you doing today, bud? First, uh, first Sunday podcast of course here. How are we doing? It's doing been a, good. Been a, good. Doing good, while. man. Hey, it hasn't. I have has to
1: indeed. say this. I, ha- I have to say this to everybody. I have to be the first on the Diardo Show, since there's only two of us, to congratulate Mr. Brian Diardo, who is now engaged. So congratulations, buddy. So happy for you and Sarah. It's the best news. And uh, just wanted to say, you know, give you, give you a little shout-out here to start the, start the podcast. Very exciting stuff.
0: Thank you. Thank you, sir. And for everyone out there that, that uh, is thinking about proposing and everything like that, just it is a wonderful thing. But before you do, just, just, for, just for the next year of your life, that's how long you decide to do your engagement. That is that is pretty high on your priority list. So <laughs> you got you got a new coach from here on out. That's what you're doing. You're proposing. You're pretty much hiring a coach and a GM to help run your life from here on out. But in all seriousness, it was it was pretty cool. You know, we, we did it down at Disney World. um I didn't have anything planned, so and I was gonna do it on our second day of vacation. But you know, once once you get the rock, you don't want to wait. So I called an audible and did it the first night. But. Uh, it was good. I know, Brian, you're a food man. The food on the uh, Disney is fantastic. Uh, g- gained some vacation weight and haven't tried to lose any of it, but that's all right. <laughs> but un- unfortunately, Brian, I don't know where you want to go first on the podcast. Uh, that we, we started with, with my personal good news, uh, but unfortunately for the Cavaliers, not not some great news. You know, they haven't been winning. Things haven't been going necessarily all well. Uh, is, is there reason for concern in the land? Uh, if you've listened to our podcast and, and you know, recent weeks or really recent months, you, you've pretty much booked the Cavs to win the East. I'm sure you still feel that way. So with that being said, any maybe you can calm down, maybe some, some Cleveland fans that, that may be a little uh, panicky after the last couple of weeks with the Cavs. Yeah, well,
1: let's all bear in mind here. I'm the one that came on this podcast unprovoked and said that I'm going to get a tattoo of Chief Wahoo, which I love. I love Chief Wahoo, but I don't like tattoos. I said I'd get a tattoo of Chief Wahoo if, if the Cavs did not make the NBA finals. So if anybody should should be theoretically be worried, it would be me. And you know what? Look, here's what I'll say. The the big picture goal here is the only way for this to truly be a successful season, and that's where we are right now, and it's a great feeling to be in this position, but it's to win a championship. That's all that really matters. That, that, that's it. So – I can't sit here and say to you that I feel confident that the Cavs are going to get the two more wins they're going to need to win a championship because as far as I'm concerned, two things. Number one, not only, again, as I've said all along, Cavs are going to make the finals, but I'm giving the Cavs two wins against whoever they play against. I don't envision the Cavs. I know that the Spurs and LeBron's last year in Miami won in five, but that was a little different ballgame. So I expect the Cavs – to get at least two wins in the NBA finals. And I don't know about the next two. I don't have a clue. There's definitely reason to be concerned, but what you're seeing now is a great example of a team that has not been together all year. And they're trying to figure it out against teams that every single night home and road,
0: all they want
1: is to defeat the Cavs because they're the champions. They have a target on their back and that's the way it's going to go. So, it's a perfect storm this season. Lots of injuries. Uh, the, the effectiveness has gone down. as it, it, There's a lack of comfort. Kyle uh, lou has got to get his rotations going. And that's really what the next, you know, final games, final ten games, eight games, whatever it is in this regular season is all about, is getting that comfort level to be able to go into round one and get the sweep that you're looking for. Worst case scenario, five games so that you can rest. And then by the second series, especially if you're not the one seed, that's when you need to be sharper because you can be challenged by Washington, as as we saw. Incredible performance by them. You, You can be challenged by Boston, as we've seen in the past. So there's going to be some challenges. It's a question of how easy is the road going to be. But at this point, my biggest concern is I just want to make sure that the rotations can get to where they need to be so we can have the easiest road possible to get to the finals if it doesn't happen and the Cavs are not the number one seed which logic would indicate if you look at the Cavs schedule and the Celtics schedule the Celtics should and it's the truth they should by all accounts get there and be the number one seed I don't know if it's going to happen I'm not overly concerned I think from your Celtics fan you're concerned because you you need every opportunity possible so I know that was a lot. I don't know. I mean, uh, usually, if anything, you're optimistic. And I'm a little more pessimistic, but I just don't feel a lot of reason for pessimism. I I think that this happened last year, and, yes, it's been terrible and the defense has been worse, but I think there's also legitimate reasons
0: for that. I agree with you, Brian, and I think for all the reasons you said, and I'm going to throw another one in there. I think that guys are – I don't want to say bored. I don't know if that's the right thing to say. But because obviously they're in a race for the number 1 seed, but I think everybody knows if you have a healthy LeBron James, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and and somewhat, I mean mostly healthy reserves, I mean with J.R. Smith coming back, um and with you know with some of the other guys they have, you know, Shumpert's obviously been around and 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 you know, he he he's kind of injury prone, but he's been there when the team really needs him. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this. It's hard to manufacture intensity when you don't believe there's any that really exists. And I think that's the thing with the Cavs. You, you, can, you can try to get pumped up for all these meaningless regular season games as long as you want, but I think eventually you just get tired of it. You get tired of, you know, it, it's almost like if, if, you're, you know, if, if, you're, if you're waiting, again, I'm going to go to a food metaphor. If you're waiting for the main course to get here and you keep eating snacks along the way, Eventually you get tired of the snacks. You can pretend for a long time how good they are, but eventually you want that main course. And I think that's for the Cavs, where they're at. I mean, I mean, you can only manufacture fake intensity for so long. And I think they all know that once, you know, once the intensity of the playoffs comes, once it's really time to get down to business, I think they're going to be there. And that's where I totally agree with you. And, and, and like you said, they went through this a year ago. Where everybody was saying, oh, my goodness, you know, the Cavs aren't, the hot team, quote-unquote, to go into the postseason. It, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you had Michael Jordan back in the day or when you had Kobe and Shaq in the early 2000s, and, 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 you know, and insert any other dominant player, dominant duo since, you know, or before. If you have those guys, you don't need to be the hot team. You're the hot team because you have the best player in the league. Um, you know, you look at Toronto. They're not quite as strong as they used to be. Yeah, Washington's a nice team, but does anybody really think that they could threaten the Cavaliers in the playoffs? Uh, you know Miami. Uh, you know if, if the Cavaliers play them, they might be able to win one game. I think Winhurst said on ESPN that that you know the Cavaliers haven't. I think LeBron led uh, teams have won their 17 straight first round game. I mean Miami's starting to fade back a little bit. They're still under 500. So Brian, I totally agree with you, man. And, and I'm going to continue to ride the optimism wave. And <laughs> I think you're still going to be good and not have to get that tattoo. I, I still don't think there's you know, pending an injury to LeBron or Kyrie that's big, I don't think there's any reason for Cleveland fans to be worried. Yeah. I mean, I have to echo the statements, you know,
1: sentiments that I've I've been making all along. And, um, you know, I I think if you want to be, you know, fair, and, and let's, for the sake of argument, let's find things to be critical about. And there's definitely plenty. I mean, defensively, it's been bad. I mean, the rankings say it. If you watch, you know, I happen in this week, two pretty two pretty frustrating games to watch. I appreciate very much the fact that I get a lot of opportunities to watch the Cavs not on my phone because they're on national TV so much, but I don't often get a lot of opportunities to really be locked in and, like, focused on a game. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I live in Denver. The Cavs were in Denver. I got to go to that game. It was a debacle. Cavs got crushed, and it – and it was you know that was interesting. This is the first time all season the Cavs were completely healthy for a game. But Denver is trying to make the playoffs. They were hungry. They were excited. the place was rocking with a lot of Cavs fans, but you know Nuggets fans too. And it was a terrible game. And then you have the Wizards game where the, the Wizards got everything they wanted. Had an absolutely just insane seventy. I think it was seventy. Pretty sure this was seventy in the first half.
0: Um,
1: the defense has been has been awful. But again. The only guy that I look at that I really have some concerns about is J.R. Big picture, I think, will be fine. He's got enough time to get back to being himself. But, you know, he's missed a lot of time this year. He's just now finally back in the starting lineup. And he was huge for the Cavs, defensively, offensively, um, for the rest of my life. And I think most Cavs fans will agree are never going to forget the couple of threes he hit in the start of the second half of game seven against the Warriors without those couple of threes, especially with how little scoring there was down the stretch. Don't know. If it, don't know. I think the Cavs probably do lose. They probably don't win, win the championship because it was a dangerous situation for a Warriors run and the Cavs to be in deep trouble, and JR didn't allow that to happen. So when you consider his defense and the fact that he's been out so much, that's, that's a problem. Uh, we haven't had a, a veteran backup point guard, and even though Delhi was terrible in the NBA Finals – on both sides of the ball You know, Daly was a pretty good defensive Player and gave a lot of effort To that second unit Darren Williams is a huge liability defensively So Yeah, I mean, there's reasons Certainly to be concerned But I would say Jr. how effective Can he be? That's one kind of Concern I have You know, Shumpert, who knows He Seems like he's digressing Um, it's getting worse Um defensively, but overall, again, just like you said, just, just to put, put a ball around this Cavs topic, at least for me, and Brian, just like you said, you got the big three, and they're healthy, and they're going strong. You're going to feel good as things slow down. We get into a half-court part of the playoffs, and you have a true series, and maybe the Cavs get challenged more than they have. Maybe the Cavs even have to go to a game seven prior to the finals. Let's bear in mind, LeBron had to do that many times when he was in Miami, at least initially, and the Cavs haven't had that yet, haven't had to go past six in the two seasons that LeBron has been back here. So it might be a little more of a battle or more of a challenge, but when it's all said and done, the Cavs are going to get there. It's just a question of will they have enough to be effective and win, as I say, the final – I mean, everyone says the final four games, but I say the final two games. I'm giving the Cavs two wins.
0: Yeah, man, I'm with you there. And obviously, I, I think in the Diardaro show, we get into the postseason. This topic will be a lot more lively. But I'm with you, man. I just, I don't think there's really much in and, and the defense. I, I, I think that that'll get, that'll get adjusted again once they make the postseason. I think it's just about getting healthy. I mean, worst case scenario, they're probably going to get the two seed, one seed. I mean, that's not that bad. And and again, when you look at the last two teams to try to make the postseason, when you look at Detroit, who they were they were gritty, but Cleveland swept them. You know, you look at Miami. I mean, their fans would obviously be excited and, and all of that jazz. But, um, you know, either of those, I, you got to like the Cavs' chances. But, you know, I know, Brian, when we talked off air, you mentioned the World Baseball Classic, something you wanted to touch on. What's it about that uh, did you enjoy did, and did you want to uh, express with our fans? United States won. Um, it was high-spirited, you know, especially when, when you look at the Cuban team. And I know there was, like, celebration – you know, controversy back and forth, but you know the USA won, and, and there was a moment there, and it didn't look like they were going to, but they did. They put it together. Obviously, didn't have like the greatest American pitchers, but they played around and won. But what say you, uh, uh, Mr. Rosen, on the biggest thing that you took away from the World Baseball Classic? Well, you know, we're gonna scrap the love it or hate it for this week because
1: we're gonna do just the love it or hate it on our next show, and the next show is want to do a little tease here, is gonna be about pet peeves. What are your sports pet peeves? I'll admit, a lot of my sports pet peeves are going to be fan pet peeves, like pet peeves I have about fans, I'll just be honest. But anything. It could be, you know, unwritten rules in baseball. It could be, you know, uh, uh, complaining about officials. And, you know, in in the NBA, uh, referees, for instance, that do the famous, and this happened a ton in the Cavs-Wizards game, they do the great, the famous, let's wait for the shot to go in. And when it doesn't go in we then we blow the whistle because it was only a foul. If you know, they either need to get, they either deserve two or they deserve a chance to, but not three. Uh, so that's something you can start sending to us. Let us know if you have any sports pet peeves that you want us to talk about. Uh, that's going to be something we're going to discuss on our next show, but world baseball classic. If I was going to do a love it or hate it, it's, it's all love. Look, I, you know, when we first talked about this, I said, I love it. I know no one else loves it. And I ended up being wrong and I was pleasantly surprised. There was a lot of interest. Now, you know, the interest is going to be there around the world. There's always going to be interest, interest in that regard. Because that the, the, the internet, the, the pride international competition, that's something that's very important to a lot of other people. But from our standpoint here, You know, it's not, it's not been all that popular in the world baseball classic, but I think people started to really get into it because the competition was incredible and the passion that was, was so nice. I, you know, baseball major league baseball needs to adopt. And I'd like to think they will, but they need to do it immediately. What happened in the world baseball classic. And that is, you know, when a team hits a home run, the guys are out of the dugout, they're celebrating, they're getting into it. It's that passion. And I know that, you know, we're taught in America especially, you know, about respecting the game, respecting your teammates, not, you know, overly celebrating and not trying to showboat. And that's all well and good. But it's, it's a game. It's emotional. And you connect with fans emotionally. Connect with people. People connect emotionally. So why not – I don't understand. Why not let people celebrate and get excited and show emotions? It happens in hockey, right? Score a goal, everyone gets excited. Everybody on the ice, they go and they, you know, little hug or, you know, rock or whatever. I don't understand why it can't be that way in baseball. Why can't we have fun? So you saw that fun. You saw that camaraderie. And I think that you had great stories. Again, like Israel, to me, as, as, as you know, someone who's Jewish, not, super, not really very culturally Jewish, but love Israel. But also, I'm a sports fan, love a good story. Israel didn't even qualify the last time, and they came out, and they won their first, I think it was four games, four or five games, against great teams. They beat South Korea, the third-ranked team in the world, in Korea. I mean, that is amazing. That's just a great story of guys coming together, and this was, you know, not the best, the most known player that Israel had is Jason Marquis, who was a long-time back end of the rotation starter, who was pretty good. But he pitched great. He prepared like it was a season. I think he's like thirty-five or so. He's thirty-six. He's done with baseball, whether he wants to be or not. He's done with baseball. But what an amazing story! So the WPC, the talent was tremendous, the passion was tremendous, and I just look at it as I do think more people that do love baseball. If you don't love baseball, that's fine, right? But again, I would make the same argument, and I'll end with this. Now, you know, give me your take if you have any on on this, but. And I've said this before, I hate the Olympics. Why do I hate the Olympics? Because I don't like getting into international competition and get excited about a sport just because America's in it. If I like the sport and America's into it, awesome. I'm into it. That's great. But I'm not going to root for it just for that sake. So if you're a baseball fan, this was international competition, why not give it a chance? All right? I gave the Olympics a chance. not like I haven't given it a chance. I just have, have my opinion, and that's just how I feel. Same reason I don't watch the World Cup cuz America's in it. I hate soccer, so I'm not going to watch soccer cuz America's in it. So, yeah, I I, I know it's a lot. It's long rant there, Brian. fired up about it. I thought it was uh, a really great thing.
0: I do too, and it's it's one of those things where I think we're at a, we're at a place where in sports and media where we're not going to ever get top billing here, and I think that's the thing that gets lost in all of this when you think of media and media tells you what's important and what's not, and obviously it'll never, you know, it, it, it's all about your perception. And what you just said, Brian, made a lot of sense to me when you said that you don't love the World Cup cause you, or you don't like the World Cup. <laughs> I was kind of light on you there. You, you don't like the World Cup because you don't like soccer. But it's not like they slam it down your throat. They do a little bit more so with the world. Well, they do a lot more with with the World Cup necessarily than the World Baseball Classic. But we're at a day and age now where it might not be you know top billing on ESPN or, or on a marquee station or a marquee primetime slot like the March Madness or the Super Bowl or, or, or the World Series, but it's still going to be on ESPN. You'll still be able to find it. And if you want to watch the World Baseball Classic, if you want to watch any of the United States games, I believe, you would have found the station. And I remember, you know, on our vacation, the night we celebrated propose, you know, the, the proposal and everything, it was on TV where we had dinner and people were, were standing around watching it. And I thought that was really cool. So we've arrived at a place, I think in sports media where there's so much access to watching these, there's so many sports channels. There are now that if you want to be passionate about something you can be, and yeah, not a lot. I mean, there were, and I agree with you, there were a surprising amount of people that got into the world baseball classic, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, it, but there were also plenty of people that I know that didn't watch it, didn't care, and probably don't know that America won. And I think that's the kind of the, the cool thing is again, you know, where we are with society and media is that, that you can, you know, and, and that's the thing. It, it shouldn't matter if you know people devalue it because the great pitchers weren't there and and there was you know. But I, I, I the one thing I took away from it was interesting was that. um you know, Americans don't normally – I mean, they don't always win it, Brian, if you correct me on that if I'm wrong. But, you know, to me, it was kind of surprising that the United States won. I thought it was really cool. And from a Pirates standpoint, I'm a Pirates fan. And one night I watched a game where there were three Pittsburgh – you know, the entire Pirates outfield was in the game. I thought that was a very cool thing. Um, I think actually four total Pirates. I think Josh Harrison also competed, our in, infielder. So um, from that standpoint, I thought it was, it was really a phenomenal thing. And, and, and you meant, you touched on it too, Brian, you know, I think it was the Cuban team, the American team, you know, uh, just, just the, the demeanor in which their fans and the, and the players themselves celebrate certain things. I didn't know that, Brian, but there's unwritten rules in the American game that don't necessarily apply or are not even a thing uh, across, the, across the water. I didn't know that. So to me, you know, to see how Cuban fans and their players celebrate things and how that would be "quote unquote" disrespectful in America? Um, I find it very interesting, but to me, it's just it's just the whole culture. But but th- at the end of the day, though, baseball is the same, and that was really cool to me. And and I'm going to share something with you, Brian. That that and this is a little off topic, but just kind of about my point that you know you can celebrate and watch baseball differently, but at the end of the day, it's all the same game. So I'm at spring training, the Braves uh, at, at Disney. That's where the Braves training. You know, that's where they play all their games and. There's two 80-year-old uh, friends that are brave season ticket holders I'm sitting next to, and they, they spend every year they spend a week down there. And the guy looks at me, we're just talking baseball, and he goes, you know, the guy that made baseball 150, 160 years ago was a really smart man because just the way he built the baseball field and that every throw is so close or every play is so close. So if, you know, if a guy's trying to, trying to steal first base, that 90 feet, if it was 85 feet, he'd probably make it. If it was 95, he'd never make it. It's just the whole metrics of the game. And that really dawned on me that he's right. You know, you've never really messed with baseball. Um, it's never really been tampered with. And I love that. And if you're a purist, um, you really do have to love what you saw in the world baseball classic. And, and as you know, Brian, I mean, in the last 10 years, um, I've become more of a baseball fan um, because my fiance is, a, she, you know, her family's a big baseball fan. So, uh, it was cool to me to see the different cultures, different countries, and I was for America, and I thought it was very cool um, that they ended up uh, winning it. And I thought it got appropriate coverage. It's not the World Series; it never will be, but I think it got appropriate coverage. And uh, you know, for baseball fans, it was something that we really enjoyed. I enjoyed watching, and uh, glad you brought this topic up, Brian. Because I don't know how many other people uh, the World Baseball Classic at length, but uh, very exciting. I was happy to see. Uh, you know, Team USA win it, and uh, kind of sets things up for baseball season. It kind of got my juices flowing. I've got a fantasy draft tomorrow. Uh, we drafted McCutcheon, my father and I, in the first round last year. Needless to say, we'll be able to get him in the much later rounds this year. So, yeah, Brian, I mean, I'm uh, I'm excited about baseball season. I think the World Baseball Classic kind of prepped me up uh, for the season uh, coming up here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was a lot of fun, and one of the other things I heard is like, okay, like who cares who wins? Or like, I shouldn't say that. Who cares if the U.S. wins? And that's actually very true. I, look, at the end of that, I'm not like, I am happy the U.S. won, but it's not like if the U.S. lost, I, I still would have loved it because I just loved baseball. It was, the entertainment was great. But shifting from the WBC, I wanted to talk a little bit about, since baseball is so close, right, we are recording this on Sunday um and a week from right now is going to be a big big day uh that's going to be first couple of games of baseball will start and then a week from tomorrow um which is going to be monday uh that a lot of the other teams play including the cleveland indians starting in texas i'm so jacked because the indians play in texas and then actually uh which is very strange they're they they Play in Arizona, but are going to be back in Arizona for a weekend series, and I will actually be at two of the games Friday and Saturday. Cannot wait from one of uh, my favorite places in America, a place I had a chance to spend a couple of couple of times with you. Two times, two great trips uh, to Arizona. Uh, can't wait, super jacked for that. But we're, we're so close. Uh, I'm excited for my favorite tradition, which is I'll watch Major League on either Sunday or Saturday nights. Not sure, one of those two nights for sure I'll watch it again. Always do that before the Indian season starts. But it's it's an it's an ex- exciting feeling. You're going in, you know, same thing with the Cavs. The expectation was, all right, let's try to win a championship. Anything less the disappointment. That's where you are with the Indians this year. And that's it's the best feeling ever. Go into a season and to have that expectation. And the Indians have have had some injuries. You know, Jason Kipnis going to miss Some time, hopefully, he can be back in Cleveland. The Indians, uh, their home opener is the second week of the season on a Tuesday. So congrats. Thank you, Major League Baseball, for being smart enough to put the Indians on the road for the first week. Makes a lot of sense. The weather's usually terrible in Cleveland at that time. So Austin Jackson made the team. He'll be in the mix, get some playing time against lefties, at least for the time being. And uh, platoon with Tyler Naquin. Lonnie Chisenhall got a little hurt, but should be fine to start. And what's most exciting, and this is just like on a personal level, but also as an Indians fan, is Michael Brantley. You know, all-star, one of, is not the best left fielder in the game. All, you know, overall, defensively, definitely not. But overall, with his bat especially, great professional hitter, consistent, Runs well, does everything pretty well. And uh, he may very well end up in Cleveland on opening day, or in uh, Texas, the first game of the year. It's really exciting. I didn't think this was going to be possible. If he doesn't uh, start the season in Cleveland, not the end of the world, but you're looking at a a major difference maker that was a non-factor, only 11 games for an Indians team that nearly won the World Series. That's exciting to get that kind of player back. I mean, obviously you can't compare baseball to basketball, but, Brian, just to give you a little bit of perspective, I mean, you know, if Michael Brantley, I felt like was the best overall hitter the Indians had. So that, you know, it's kind of akin if you compare it to basketball, saying, you know, you're getting Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love back. Again, can't compare it. They're two very, very different sports. One individual makes a much bigger impact, obviously, in basketball than in baseball. But I'm just saying from that standpoint, to be so successful – and to have the injuries, it's a good feeling. I don't know if, uh, you know, for you, how many teams, you know, if there's any Steelers teams you can think of or Penguins teams or anyone that you've rooted for in the past that was kind of in that in that same boat.
0: Yeah, it, it's hard to really – yeah, there certainly has been. But, uh, you know, with, with the Indians, that's a good place to be, though. I mean, you, you've got a chance to legitimately win a World Series and – uh you know, for the Pirates on the other end, I mean, there, there's there's equal excitement. No, I don't know if it's equal excitement. But there's excitement, but it's it's just to see if we can make the postseason. And uh, you know, they went from 98 wins um, a year ago, or two years ago now, to a lot less than that last year. So, you know, there, there's definitely optimism there. And I think a lot of it is because you know they almost traded McCutcheon in the off season, and uh, you know, so obviously, you know, he's back. Fans are excited about that. Um, we're hoping that Cole can have a better season than he had last year. You know, he was one of the league's best pitchers in 2015. So, you know, that that's a lot of the hope too, uh, is that he'll be better. But I just think in general, when, when you're in the same division as the Cubs, and I think that's going to be exciting too to see if if we can it can be the chink in the ar- the Cubs' armor. I mean, they certainly got the better of us in the 2015 wild card game, which kind of spearheaded their run the next year, and they haven't fished ahead of the Cardinals since '99. So they're, they're certainly um, you know, a, a lot to be excited about there uh, Just to see what the Pirates can do Again, they're not trying to win a World Series I know they are, but, but the, the realistic look Is that, hey, they're going to try to make the postseason And make something happen and, and for me, still remembering 20 years of the Pirates Not being good <laughs> I, I, I still get excited uh, Talking playoffs But, uh, you know, w- when you look at the Indians That division, there's always a sleeper to me Whether it's the White Sox or the Tigers Or, or whatnot you know, it, it seems like that division, there's always a sleeper. Do you, do you see a sleeper in the Indians' division, or, or do you think it's going to be kind of cut and dry? Because to me, you know, because that's the thing. You know, I, I'm a Pirate fan, but I always kind of like to watch the Indians and their division and w- what's going on there. There always seems to me to be a storyline in that division that you, that you didn't see going into the year. Do, do you see any surprises uh, of that end or not going into this season?
1: Well, I think that if there's a, if there's a – Storyline or surprise or something's going to happen, then the one team that I'm, I'm, you know, a little curious about is the Detroit Tigers, and that is because mm. there's no hype surrounding them. The expectation just sort of is at this point that it's over for them. Um, you know, they had a, you know, a tough year last year. Justin Verlander came back and was strong, but they've had pitching issues. They went out and they got Jordan Zimmerman, a really good pitcher in the National League for the Nationals, and then. He really struggled. Um, but I feel a little bit uncomfortable just sort of ignoring them. And, and for that matter, you know, you're ignoring them and you have the Royals. The Royals are a team that really had a tough year last year. Had a very, very tough, tough offseason, obviously, losing uh, Jordana Ventura, who was killed in a car crash in the Dominican Republic. So there's been, you know, a lot of difficulties. But this is a team that, you know, hey, they did go to the World Series two years in a row and win one. Now, their bullpen was the greatest strength, I found out, which I thought was unreal, actually pretty sad. The only member of their bullpen from their World Series championship two years ago is Kelvin Herrera, who out of that bullpen, I would have said was the second-best reliever. But even still, they've lost some pieces. But you want to be careful. You, want, you don't want to, like, completely disregard a team that's that, you know, has been that successful. Uh, but the Tigers, I'm definitely curious about. They still have – a really, really good lineup. Uh, J.D. Martinez is going to be out for a couple of weeks. It it seems to start the season, but that's still a lineup with Miguel Cabrera, one of the greatest hitters of all time, Victor Martinez, Ian Kinsler. Again, when they get J.D. Martinez back, Justin Upton. You know, there's a ton of talent on that team still, and they still have Verlander and Zimmerman. And if Annabelle Sanchez can ever recover any old form of what he used to have, um, and Michael Fulmer was great last year, was in the Rookie of the Year conversation. So that's a team I don't want to completely disregard. The Royals on paper don't look like much of a threat, but I'm not going to completely disregard them. Um, I think that's kind of where you're at. I think most people would, would think that the Central's not going to get two teams. The Indians win the division, and that'll be that. But I think that you don't want to completely disregard the Tigers and you don't want to completely disregard the Royals. But it is a great feeling going in, you know, comparing it to, let's say, your Steelers, you know, how a lot of years the Steelers even felt like, okay, Super Bowl is the goal, but you couldn't say definitively you're going to win your own division because you had the Ravens, your rival, feeling the exact same way. Um, I don't see it in the, like that this year, you know. I, from that standpoint, I see it a lot more as, look, you know, the Indians are the team to beat. So there isn't that other team. But you've got teams that have a lot of experience, and, and you know, uh, their goal is going to be the same as the Indians. that's to win that win the Central Division, try to make a one for, run for World Series. And uh, I don't want to completely discount them, but I love being in the position where I expect full well to win the division and get there and not have to worry about a wild card game. So we shall see. Did you uh, – is there anything when you were at spring training games, were there any any anyone exciting you got to see that you are excited about or any notable good plays? Or I mean, I feel like what, what's fun, and you maybe could, could touch on this too if you want, is um, how if you haven't been to a spring training, you, you can get so close. Like, it's it, it so more yeah. intimate. If you want autographs, you can get autographs. You can go to the minor league fields. And it's a
0: really neat experience. Any of that you want to touch on about? a little more about your spring training experience well i've, I've been to, to arizona spring training i've been where the indians play the reds play they share the same park um a lot easier to get autographs in, in the red in their park than disney disney is not an autograph park we actually bought a baseball <laughs> the first day we were there we went to two days of games and we went the second day i didn't even bring the baseball because for whatever reason the braves and their opponents really don't do a lot of autographs it's almost kind of like you know if you're going to get autographs for the pirates you actually go to their game their home game and then you probably have a better chance. So, from di- the, the, if you go see it in Disney, you might not get the same luck. But if you're going to go to Disney, you know, Disney World in the spring, you may as well catch a game. It, it's literally like a two mile drive, $7 Uber, which is what we did. So, uh, you know, nice way to kill the time. But, like you said, Brian, the, the, the closest you get is crazy. I mean, we spent maybe 20, 30 bucks when we were three rows behind home, ba- home plate. Uh, really enjoyed it. You know, Sarah's favorite player, my fiance, one of her favorite players was Brandon Phillips. Uh, she's a, a Reds fan. So um, then they played the Mets, but that was not the game that uh, Jay Bruce and Tebow were there. They had a split uh, – they, they split up their team that day, and, and their other team with Bruce and, and uh, Tebow uh, stayed in their home stadium. But uh, we saw Brandon Phillips and Marcakis, and, Markakis and um, his name escapes me now, the former Dodgers, Matt Kemp. And they bat they, they bat three four five not necessarily in that order. And it made me think, first of all, that'd be like a great 2007 lineup. But still in 2017, that's a pretty good lineup. And I don't know, you know, you, you can't really take a lot away from spring training. But, Brandon, I mean, that trio played exceptionally well in the two games that we were down there. And we also saw uh, your old buddy, and you're going to have to help me with his name, uh, the pitcher that's still playing into his early 40s, also pitched that day uh, for the Braves. Bartolo Colon. So. Bartolo Colon, thank you. So you saw Bartolo Colon pitch, and it's amazing because the first thing Sarah said was, that dude is big. And the funny thing was, I didn't see him come out yet until she said that, and I knew immediately it was Bartolo Colon, and there he he was still pitching. So it was fun, but it also was was interesting to me because I know people don't think the Braves will be any good, but it was like, they have good players, so, you know, who knows? So that might be a sleeper if you're picking a fantasy baseball team. You might want to go to – you might want to pick up Brandon Phillips or one of those guys, because like I said, they look pretty good in the spring. Um, but again, Brian, just, just kind of touching on the spirit of baseball, I really do believe there, there's a different spirit in baseball that doesn't exist in other sports. And, you know, I know that that kind of went back to the World Baseball Classic, where we talked about how, you know, they celebrate the game a little different than we do. Um, but I, you know, it might be fun to go to a game and people are pumped up like that and going crazy. But But I think... For Americans, there has to be a lot on the line for us to act that way. But but I don't know, to me, in baseball, but to me, I enjoy the way we watch baseball. Some people might think it's boring, but to me, you know, it, you know, hopefully, you know, you have kids in a few years from now, you, you think of things you want to take them to. For me, it's easy. I want them to go to a ball game, and I hope they do become baseball fans because I just, I just find it such a fun way to spend an afternoon. And, you know, I'm not nearly the baseball fan. You are, Brian. But I still find enjoyment in it. And, uh, you know, and and for example, you know, I, I started this as, the, I said this as the start of the show. You know, Sarah and I sat next to 280 some 80-some-year-old, you know, Braves fans. And when I sat down, actually, the first thing I thought of was, oh, these guys probably are like, oh, these young kids sit next to us, probably going to be on their phones the whole time. Five minutes later, we're enjoying this great conversation, talking 90s Reds, so I, I, or 90s Braves, rather. And I even prefaced it by saying, I hate the Braves, and and talked about the Indians World Series where they played each other. And then, you know, obviously the Pirates and the Braves have had, you know, they had their moments in the 90s in the NLS two years in a row. So, um, but it was just fun. And, and that's the thing with baseball. If you're, if you're a baseball fan, you can share great conversations with other fans that may not necessarily be fans of your team. So, um, you know, I don't know. It, it, I like the way we watch baseball here because if you want the crazy rowdiness, go to an MLS soccer game. Go to a college football game. I mean, we both went to Ohio State. You know what I'm talking about, Brian. Go to a Browns game. Go to a Steelers game. Uh, You know, there's other things to to wet your palate based on what kind of sports experience you want. But for me, I like the way our baseball is played here. And I I, I will say this. Sometimes you wouldn't mind seeing more emotion from the players, but that's okay with me. You know, And, and maybe people being oversensitive. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, in the World Baseball Classic, is there a rule about, about hitting players in the head or hitting players in general? I'm not sure of that, but I do want to clarify something.
1: I was not talking sure. about the fans. I was not – like, the way the, – I'm not talking about the way the fans. I'm actually talking about the players. What I, And I didn't make my point uh, clear, which is my mistake, mm. is that when a team hits a home run, all right, in the U.S. it's a home mm-hmm. run, the players – got to go on, the, you know, go on the field and celebrate with the guy right. a little bit. That's what I'm talking about. Right. I'm saying the emotions from the players, that is something that they do at w, the WBC. It happens in high school. It happens in college. It happens in, uh, all around the world, and that's something I'd like to see happen in America. So that's – I do want to clarify that point, first of all. not talking about the fans and the way the fans celebrate – or anything like that. It's teach their own in that regard. I'm talking about the players got to really get into it. And I think that passion rubs off on the fans. And it's just not something we do in America. Typically. at I'm least with in you, the major
0: hundred And thank you for clarifying. And I'm with you a hundred percent on that, Brian. I really am, you know, because I, I think that, uh, why not? Why not? And I think sometimes for pitchers and other people, it's like, don't take yourself so seriously. If you don't like how they celebrate, what are they, what's the old adage just for You don't like it. Stop it or do something about it. So, you know, I agree with you, Brian. And, and, and to me, it's not pandering to a, to a new generation that likes that stuff or any of that stuff. To me, it's just good old-fashioned fun. It's sports. You're not you're not performing surgery out there. Enjoy yourself. Show your emotion a little bit. And I I totally agree with you, Brian. And I thought that was one thing that was really cool um, with the World Baseball Classic. But I'm very excited for baseball. More excited for you, Brian, because I know that, that the Indians – this is actually something I wanted to ask you as an Indians fan. It's kind of similar to Golden State Cleveland. Do you want another shot at the Cubs, or do you not really care? I don't think you really care, but I wanted to ask you anyways.
1: Well, if it was me, I just want to make it there, all right? And right. I'm sorry. I, 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 and I'm sorry to do this to go back to one other thing, but I do have to. It, you know, it was really nice. It's a nice concept, your idea with the Braves, but I'm just telling you. Just you know, it's between us that uh, in 2017, Matt Kemp and Brandon Phillips are not the guys you want hitting in the middle of your order. Not sure if you want those guys in your order at all. Just saying no disrespect, but, you know, not the best of players anymore at this point. So the Braves are trying to go pretty much full rebuild. I think they've got a chance to be decent moving forward, but can't necessarily share that optimism. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Indians, look, it's, it's a, I'll say it, it's the same thing with the Cavs this year. Like, in a perfect world, I would rather beat the War- Warriors than anybody else. I'm not going to lie. It'll mean more to beat the Warriors than the Spurs. It just will. Because there is a genuine hate, and, like, there's the hate, but then, you know, there's, you, sometimes you respect your opponent. Like, I, I respect Michigan more than I respect most of the Warriors. I respect the basketball player, Draymond Green. I don't respect the person at all. Steph Curry, I don't like the person at all. Klay Thompson, I don't like the person at all. Kevin Durant is a, a, you know, I'm not going to say the word I'm thinking of. We'll we'll go soft. That's more PC, more fitting to society today. Um, So it's a different ball game. I think with the Indians, do I want to beat the Cubs? Yeah, because it's not so much the Cubs, it's the fans, the the Cubs fans. And I I said said this many times, that they, you know, I don't like the mentality of a curse when it's just one team. Uh, I, I look at everything in the context of the city and that's something that that's why I tend to get, you know, get an argument with a lot of people in Cleveland that are just, you know, the Browns are their priority. And I say I don't really have a priority. The Browns are the least of my priorities simply because they never win. And it's not unfair to say that when your whole lifetime, they've been terrible. So I always look at it from the perspective of the city. And so, yeah, beating the Cubs and they're the best. So it's, it's always nice to beat the best, of course. You know, beating a 73-win Warriors team was amazing. It would be nice to be able to beat a Cubs team and and get revenge on them. Um, But at the end of the day, I just want a championship. So I will be rooting against the Cubs every time they play this whole season. Unless they're playing – I guess they may – I don't know if they they play any team that matters against – you know, from the Indians' perspective, be a different story, but – I Yeah, I'm not going to – I I hope the Cubs don't get out because the Cubs are the best and they're the biggest threat that we have to a championship in the National League and the biggest threat anybody has in either league to a championship. Would, would you feel that way or, or or would you be like, hey, just give me my title. I don't, I don't need, care if I play the Patriots to get there or I don't care if I play whatever, Team X or Team Y, you know, I want to play – you know, I want to get revenge on – you know, the Packers or whatever it may be, something like that.
0: I, I never care about that stuff, but New England, I'll, I will. <laughs> New England's a team that, that – because honestly, I mean, people have said it. People were saying it before the AFC Championship game this past year. Someone said to Mike Tomlin, you know, the Super Bowl that you won and the other one that you went to, you didn't have to go through, through New England either year. And Tomlin's response was, well, they didn't have to go through us either. Um, to get the last their last two Super Bowls. Uh, well, New England went through them pretty pretty emphatically. So, um, I'm I'm normally like you, I don't care, but to, I, I think for the Steelers for this era, um, they're all even if let's say they win it this year, but someone upsets New England before the AFC Championship game or at some point in the playoffs, uh, or Brady gets hurt, you know, and, and and they don't make the playoffs or something. Um. The Steelers will still be celebrated, but there will, in my mind, there will be that, ah, uh, you, didn't, you didn't play New England. And that was the team that dominated this era um, or had the leg up in this era. So, you know, that would stick with me. So, yeah, normally, though, Brian, I, I, I'm with you. I don't care. It, it doesn't – I do think it's nice if you beat a team you don't really like. It kind of adds that little thing to it. And that's where, as a Steeler fan, it upsets me a little. not really upsets me, but it would have been nice. I didn't dislike Seattle when, when the Steelers beat them in 05, and I really actually kind of liked Arizona in 2008. And when the Penguins won the Steel Cup last year, which kind of segues, segues into our hockey standpoint, which I'm really excited about here, went to, went to yesterday's Blue Jackets game. But uh, I like the Sharks team that the, that the, uh, the Penguins beat. So, uh, you know, again, to kind of cap off what you were asking me uh, with the Cubs and whatnot, if I was an Indians fan, I'd like to play the Cubs. It wouldn't matter to me especially with I know how hard it is to make the World Series in baseball. I mean, when was the last repeat champion, uh, the, the 2000 Yankees? So we're talking we're going to be on 17 years. Um, and how many teams even make it back to the, the playoffs? The Royals did make the playoffs the year after they won the World Series last year. So it is, And you know this, Brian. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's so hard to make the World Series two years in a row, let alone once, let alone make the playoffs two years in a row. Um, I don't care. And I don't think you, I mean, obviously you don't care either, but what's, uh, if you don't mind here on the Robo show or Diardo show, actually with Brian Rosen and Brian Diardo through it old school there for a moment. Um, let's talk some hockey. This is, this is big, man. I mean, you got the top three teams in the NHL all in the same division, all playing well right now and all playing each other during the last week of the regular season. And, Just kind of really focus on the team that we all really care about, the Columbus Blue Jackets. They won a very gritty game uh, yesterday to avoid losing three in a row. They're the only team in the NHL this year not to lose three in a row. But very consistent club. Um, They are tied with uh, Pittsburgh for second in the net with 103 points. But as I said, they're tied also with the second-best record in the entire NHL. And Washington is number one with 106. Well, here's at stake besides the – the President's Trophy, is if you get the three seed, which is where Pitt, they currently have Columbus over Pittsburgh, not uh, because of the head-to-head, Columbus leads it two to one. But if the season ended today, Columbus would host Pittsburgh in the first round because the NHL seedings are kind of dope, but that it is what it is. If you win the, the, the President's Trophy, which Washington currently is in that position, then you get to play the eight seed and you avoid completely uh, – you know, the other you know the other two best teams in the NHL, you let them battle it out. So pretty much, if you don't get the one, you're going to be playing one of the other best teams in the league in the very first round. Um, and if you get the three seed, the worst draw in this whole deal, you will, could have the third best record in the entire NHL and not even get home ice in the first round. And, oh, by the way, you have to play the second best team in the NHL. So, uh, but Brian, how you feeling about Columbus, man? I'm feeling good about him. I, I I do have one negative, and then I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, they're not doing that well scoring, and that's been kind of an issue for a little bit. Despite the fact they've been winning, you know, Bob. Yesterday they played Philadelphia, a team that you know the, the nice people will say, oh, you know, they're fighting for the eight. No, they're not very good. They're one of the worst teams in the in the conference. They're not very good, and uh, they are technically still alive. But but they're that's, that's because the bottom part of this. Conference isn't very good, and they outshot Columbus yesterday, thirty-six to twenty-one. Bob is the best goalie in the league, so that and they got you know a lucky goal in the second, which I'm not hating, you know, I'm not trying to take away from it, but it was, it was a deflected shot that they tapped in. Um, but you do create your own good fortune because it, it was in their zone. So, but that being said, Brian, that's the one thing I will say about Columbus is they have to solidify the scoring, uh, they have to get it up more. I mean, I think they have three goals or four goals in their last three games. That's not enough. Um, but, again, they're right where they should be going into the last week of the season. What say you about the Blue Jackets, bud? you still excited and optimistic?
1: I'm into it. I, I just have to complain about the playoffs, the way they do it. It, it is so stupid. I mean, I, you know, look, I understand divisions, and I get that. But, like, you know, the, the NBA, to their credit, the divisions are irrelevant now in the NBA. It's all about the by the conference. And I just cannot fathom at all. How a team that could have the third best record and I understand let let's say you want to do it like this. All right, let let's be fair. Let's say you want the top two seeds get to be the winners of the two divisions. Alright? So that we start there. That's fair. No problem with that. Alright? Then after that though, the rest of it should fill out in such a way where, you know, okay, there's eight teams. The Jackets, let's say the jackets end up with the third-best record in the Metro, right? and you want to try to be fair, you want to show respect to Montreal or whatever, you know, in the other division, then why not have it be, let's just say the Capitals get the number, you know, they're definitely going to be number one. Let's just let's, We'll just say that for the purposes of this example. Capitals get to be the number one seed. Montreal is the winner of the other division, even though they have not been nearly as good as – the, the Jackets and the Penguins. And I don't even know point-wise if they're higher than the Rangers who were after that. All right. So you want to put them too. Then you have the Pens three, you have the Jackets four and the Jackets would, you know, be in the four or five game and have home ice against, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a team from the other division or whatever it may be. Like, does not, am I crazy here? Like, does that not make more sense than <laughs> something like this? Or again, or, or say the division winner is guaranteed at worst the four seed. So the division winner in both divisions at worst gets four seed. So then it would line up in a fairer way of you would have again. Let's just say the Capitals get the number one seed, Penguins get the number two, then the Jackets get the three, and then all of a sudden you're doing three versus six. And Montreal, even though they won their division, they have the fourth best record, or even maybe the fifth best record, or fifth most points which could end up happening, but you, you guarantee that they at least get home ice in the first round. That, to me, seems like a much fairer way of doing this, and what's going to end up happening is, Brian, is you're going to have a situation where it's going to be, the, let's assume, almost for sure, right, the Penguins and the Jackets are going to play in the first round. And whoever wins yeah. that series, assumably the Penguins, with being a veteran team, the Penguins win that series then the Penguins' second-round matchup definitively, and this is not even up for debate, is against a worse team and assumably is going to be a worse series than
0: your first-round matchup.
1: Right. Am, I, am I crazy
0: here? No, you're right. Well, this will be – I mean, I don't even need to look. This will be the first time in NHL history 200-point teams are playing in the first round. So that that's all, that's all you have to know, <laughs> that this didn't – I mean, it, 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 it presents an incredibly intriguing and – unbelievably good first-round matchup. So if that was the NHL's goal to create an incredibly great series in the first round. I mean, also, too, how can you predict this is going to happen? That the three best teams – I mean, how often does this happen in any sport where the three best teams – I mean, can you imagine the NFL if there was a, you know, 15-1 team, 14-2 and team, and 13-3 and team in the same division? I mean, it, just, it just doesn't happen, happen very often. So, you know, but I'll, be, I'll say this. It's more realistic in the NHL because there's only four divisions as opposed to the NFL where there's eight and other leagues where there's, there's six and whatnot. But, you know, I don't like it. I'm starting to become more okay with it, Brian, but I think it's just because I've, I've accepted it, to be honest with you. Because, like you said, it's, it's pretty much – it's definitely inevitable that it's going to be Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh with the top three seeds. They're seven points ahead of the Rangers with, you know, seven games left. So one of these teams would have to nosedive not to face each other. And there were some, not many, but you, you heard whispers in Columbus that people just hoped that they would somehow find a way to stumble to the four so they could host a first round game, but you don't want that. And, and I like the fact that Columbus has openly come out and they've said, you know, we want to win the president's cup or trophy rather. It's a cup in soccer, but the, you know, it, it. I like that. I like that. They're putting the pressure on themselves. They want to finish this season strong. They want to go into the playoffs strong and, like I said, they're going to play on Tuesday night at home, Wednesday, They're going to go to Pittsburgh. Now this time last week, they lost at home, went to Washington later in the week, and uh, had the lead, and then lost in a shootout. So uh, two to one to Washington. So um, and, and in my mind, Washington's not who you want to face in the first round. you know, that, especially because that they would be at that time, the two time in a row, president's trophy champions you don't want to face them uh they're a very very good home team i don't want to say there's intimidation there but i think for whatever reason there's more intimidation with washington than pittsburgh for whatever reason i think fans and you get the fan standpoint i, I think personally brian the the best case scenario obviously is to get the one but if you don't you host pittsburgh host pittsburgh and you know fans will be into it um, you know, the, the Penguins are a, a, they're not a very good road team. They're 17, 13, and 7. Pittsburgh home team 29, 4, and 4. Uh, Washington 31, 6, and 2. It's funny because Columbus, Brian, is pretty much split. Uh, they're 27, 10, and 1 at home. 21, 9, and 6 uh, on the road. So a little, I mean, pretty much they're the same. I mean, they're more overtime losses, so you got to correct that. But other than that, they have the same amount of losses essentially home and away. So I think for Columbus it doesn't matter as much, but you know, in terms of how they play on the road. But You know, Nationwide has never hosted a game one or or game two because the previous two years they went to the postseason. They didn't advance past the first round, and they were the lower seed, obviously. So I I think for them, the best-case scenario is to host Pittsburgh. But even if you don't host Pittsburgh, you know, when they played Pittsburgh in the 14 playoffs, uh, they split the first two games. So I think they're going to be okay there. Um, You know, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm starting to wrap my head more around being okay with it, just because, like I said, it, it's inevitable at this point. But but you can guarantee they're they're going to have to change this because, and, and I don't know if Torts would say anything uh, after this, um, you know, if, if they lost and he was like, "Well, it kind of sucked we had to play the you know, the, the second team in the league in the first round." I don't know if he would say something like that because I think right now, and as we've discussed in the show, Brian, um, uh, you know, I haven't predicted anything. I'm not putting a tattoo on on the line like you are, um, but i've said it before for this season to truly be remembered they need to win a, a playoff series and it doesn't matter against two and as you said um they're definitely going to play uh, a better or a worse opponent in the second round no doubt i would guess new york i think new york will get get who, whoever they have to face but um you know i'm feeling good about it i i i think and i will say this i said this on an earlier show um i'm not doing any tattoo stuff but i my cousin came yesterday uh, to the game with me, the first time he had seen a professional hockey game um, outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, he was impressed by by the, Penguins, or by the Blue Jackets. Um, and he asked me point blank, he said, who would you cheer for? And my answer is always, always, always the Penguins. But the Blue Jackets need it more. They really do. This city needs it more. And really, people always say that Columbus is young. To steal a line from uh, in one of my favorite movies, Wedding Crashers, you're not that young. And you know, Bobrovsky's 28. That's your prime for a goaltender. Um, you know, the, the, their captain, Feligno, he's 30, either either 30 now, or turning 30 this year, so he's right where you know where he's at in his prime. This team's in their prime right now. Hardnell is is in his 30s, mid 30s. This team is not that young, so this is their their time to win, Brian. So I think for people to keep saying they're young, they're young. No, they're not. They actually they wasted some years where they should have they should have made the playoffs, and they didn't because they started slow. So this, this team really, this should be year four of them being really good. They wasted a couple of years there. So for the Jackets, um, you know, I, I don't think fans here really understand uh, that this really isn't a win-now mode, or, or, or there's a, a window, I think, that's still going to be open. If they don't do it this year, it might be two more years when this window is open, two or three. But really, it's time to win now because in sports, as we all know, nothing's guaranteed.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's uh it is time and we'll see what happens. I mean you know, I again I mean you, you, you've been consistent with this and, and I and I agree, like big picture to really make a change, gotta win a series. Um it's unfortunate that you could, you know, not win a series. Probably like, you're not not win a series and still, you know, feel like hey, you, you you would win the next one and potentially win the next one easily. That's the tough part, but It is what it is. You know, the the other thing is, too, again, it's also a lot of it is you want to say, okay, so what's the goal here? So, yes, small picture, we want to, you know, your Jacks win that first playoff series, right? But that's really not the goal, right? The goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and no one expects that to happen, and that's fine. It's not going to almost for sure. shouldn't with a young team, whatever. But that is the goal, right? So from that standpoint, you, can, you could make the argument. I'm sure the NHL's counter argument would be, you know, you get a good first round matchup, and, and they would say, well, you're going to have to go through these teams to win it anyway. So what does it matter if you face the better team in the first round versus second round? I disagree because I think it's, I think the fans and, and team earns the right to have the easier matchup and have a chance to move on and get more home playoff games, and you know, a chance to, to host a game one, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I still don't agree, but I'm a lot more receptive to, to that concept of, you know, at the end of the day, if the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, hey, you know what, you're going to have to go through these guys anyway. So um, stuff, uh, exciting that we've got NBA playoffs, we've got the NHL playoffs, a lot of great things on the horizon. We haven't talked any about college basketball. If you'd like to, I'll give it to you. I'll just say, I mean, again, and it's all about your perspective of what you're interested in. I know that it sounds ridiculous to say I'm you know, someone to be so excited about a World Baseball Classic, hate the Olympics, hate the World Cup, and have zero interest out once you know, money is no longer a factor because I'm out of my brackets in the NCAA tournament. So I get it. It is each their own. As opinionated as I am, I do get and understand and, and could say, yes, I am in the minority. I know that. Not many people have that kind of priority system where I'm, you know, Right now, as we do this podcast, it's North Carolina and Kentucky's playing. And I just don't care. I mean, it just doesn't – you know, I'm excited that it, the tournament's getting close to being over because baseball's about to start. That's just where I am at. But I don't know if – you know, I'd be remiss to, to we well, not mention it since it is the Elite Eight. And, you know, if you have any thoughts on it.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I know we're, we're, we're already – you know, we're an hour plus now. But if you don't mind, Brian, I'm going to ask you real quick because I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I thought about this the whole time we've been on this podcast is that we didn't even mention we're going to talk college hoops. And we have these two iconic programs playing at the time of this podcast. But I'm going to ask you something. Um, how much of it do you think that we don't have a great polarizing A, team in college basketball, and B, players? And, and 10 years ago, 10 years ago, which is crazy to believe time's gone by so so quickly, Ohio State, our alma mater, and you were at – I mean, we, we traveled, covered the team. Ohio State was in the Final Four. Greg Oden, this great freshman, this great polarizing player. Mike Conley, they went to the same high school, him and Oden, and they made this great, you know, two freshmen carrying the Buckeyes to the championship. On the other side, you've got Florida with, with Joakim Noah and all those players that many of them are still in the NBA going for back-to-back. Um, you know, in later years, you had Hansborough and, and you love it or hate it, Duke, you know, or I'm sorry, North Carolina. You know, Duke's had, you know, their tons of players. You go back to Leitner you know, guys that you either love or you hate. Um, I I just don't feel like that stuff is there anymore. And is it because uh, uh, that so many players now are trying to leave early to go to the pros? Is it – what is it? To me, that, I think, could be a question, a serious question, is that there's just – in college basketball, is there any household names anymore? There's a father of a player that's okay, Ball. (laughs) But other than that, what sexy players out there now what sexy dominant team is out there now that 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 for good or bad is 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 captivating the country um you know people can say they love sports all the time and college basketball all the time i kind of disagree uh, i think there certainly is a certain amount of fans that do but to me people love a story people love a team that you can either love or hate together in a team and i don't think that exists in college football anymore or college basketball anymore what say you do, do you think i Have a point, or do you think I'm stretching a little bit? Because I, like you, I think there's a lot of people that, while there's still certainly people that are interested, I I think it's certainly waning as opposed to previous years. Well, here's the thing. Again, you say, is there a player?
1: I can't answer because I don't watch, so I want to be fair of that. I Mm -hmm. also want to say this, and this is important. Anyone that is a big college basketball fan who is listening to this podcast would probably say, that's not how we feel at all. And let's be very clear. You live in Columbus. I'm an Ohio State fan also. So, yes, where we are from our perspectives, the interest could not be lower because the program is in a position right now where the question is, you know, should Thad Modig get another year or not? Like, that's the only real question. There's no thoughts of, of, of like, real success. So I do want to – I think it's important to at least come with that perspective that for both of us to be fair, and you're also kind of a Pitt fan too – you know, and they, they aren't a team that was, you know, uh, going to be, you know, the doing doing anything this year, uh, you know, having a real run. So I think that that's part of it. But what I will say is that, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that even nationally, there's no doubt the biggest story nationally has been LeVar Ball. And I hate the guy. And, like, I don't really like Kentucky, but as about the one – besides, I like Wisconsin, like, you know, most of the Big Ten teams. So I support them. But in terms of like what was interesting, like my happiest part of this tournament is that UCLA beat Kentucky or I'm sorry, Kentucky beat UCLA because LeVar Ball's kid is out and it's nothing against the kid and sucks, but his father is choosing to be a, a complete schmuck and a douche and screw him. You know, that was my about the most interesting thing to me and I think some others. So I think the answer wasn't, I, I think that I think we're a little insulated to be fair Um But I also think that because the one-and-done rule, it's hard to feel that way. It's hard to, like, you know, Kentucky is a great example where if you want to hate Kentucky or root against Kentucky, fine. But even that's not as fun. You're rooting against Coach Cal, or you hate Duke. You're rooting against Coach K. But the names are changing so often, especially at Kentucky, where you've got all these one and done. So from a, you know, even just, like, hating a villain type of thing, you don't have that camaraderie. And that's why, to me, I understand that, you know, the idea of getting a semester, because for a lot of these guys, let's do It's a semester of college. Think about it. A semester of college, maybe a portion of a second semester of college. That's all you're getting if you leave after one year. So is that better for them than, you know, in terms of maturing? Sure, I guess, but I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. So I think if you're college basketball, you've got to do one of two things. I feel very strongly about this. Either number one, get rid of the one and done rule and, and give people the rights to leave after high school or require two years. You could say, you know what, if we require two years, then the best players, at least you're getting back-to-back years. You have a chance for another Duke, you know, winning back-to-back championships, or Florida, or whomever. You have that better chance, and you have some camaraderie. Alonzo Ball, you know, and LeVar Ball, you're rooting against him. Next year, would it, would it not be a compelling story if Alonzo Ball had to come back, and then you're, you know, he's the villain again, and his dad's the villain, and, and they, they see can they find a way to overcome and to do better, like, that's something that would might interest me a little bit. But unless, yeah, I mean, you know, if your team's good, you're going to be into it. But if your team's not good, then there's a lot less to be sort of excited about or to hate two emotions that that ultimately cause interest. There's an emotion there, love or hate. It's harder to get that with the one-and-done rule. So I don't know. I mean, do you have any thoughts? And then we can wrap this up here soon. But do you have any thoughts about – you know, in the best interest of players and in the game, that should the rule be changed? Should it
0: be two years or none? Well, you know, to me, um, no. It just, you, I don't think so. Because I don't know if it's like the pop. Should you punish players because the popularity might be going down? You know, I just think we're in a different time now. And. You know, you either I, I think I think we're all we're all getting to a point, I think, Brian, and, and to kinda honestly kinda cool, kinda sum up this whole podcast like this, that we're all getting more choices. You know, now I'm not gonna spend the money on it, but if I chose to, I could watch every single Pittsburgh Pirate game I want to, living hundred and fifty miles away or whatever it is. Um, you could do the same thing with the Cavaliers living in Denver, and you said so yourself, you still get quite a bit of Cavaliers games despite being so far away. We live in a time where we'll decide what we want to watch. And I think as time goes on and this continues to become the norm and, and our, you know, increases to get what we like, um, there will still, I mean, you know, I think the, the, the population of things will still be there. The numbers will still be there because the accessibility will continue to rise. But, you know, people might just drift away because they're not as interested as they used to be anymore. So to kind of answer your question, I think college basketball, because of how many, you know, how easy it is to watch – I think the numbers are still there, even though some, many people may not be as interested as they used to be. Um, and I think for, for people like myself, people like you, Brian, that, that may used to be interested, um, you know, you have to start re- trying to remember or try to figure out why you were interested in the first place. Was it because you couldn't get the Cavs game and that was just what was on TV? I think for a lot of people, that may have been why you were interested in the first place, is that you're, you, you know, the, the things that you were interested in were, or, or the things you could watch were so limited. You know, I mean, honestly, the the beginning of this game, I was watching. uh, You know, I was watching some of the Cavs game from last night that I had DVR'd. I knew they lost, but I just wanted to see some of it. So, you know, to talk about, you know, talk on the podcast. Uh, I think that's a lot of it. Is that, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of changes anymore because I think the numbers are always going to be there. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you as a fan just has to decide. You know, hey, what do I enjoy watching? And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it that you and me don't really care as much anymore. And I and I think. You know, for me personally, um, I'm only going to be as interested as my – you know, if, if Pitt was in it at Ohio State, I'd be dialed in right now. I think as I get older um, and how I've changed as a sports fan, um, a lot of my interest in things, it depends on uh, whether or not my team's in it. If my team's not in it, I don't really care that much. <laughs> so, hence why I'm not really dialed in. On the flip side, very interested in uh, the Cavaliers – very interested in the Blue Jackets and, and Penguins. And I think in future shows, I'm really excited, as, as Brian said, and, and let us know in the coming weeks. And we'll promote it on social media. Let us know um, um, your biggest things you, you, you don't like in sports. Um, and help me out with the terminology here, Brian. You know, the biggest things you don't like in sports. And we're going to talk about that at length. Um, more of a love it or, 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 or love it or hate it for next week's show. But uh, a lot of stuff to love coming forward on the podcast as – The Cavaliers look to get the number one seed and look to make another run. And a crazy first-round matchup with the Penguins and Blue Jackets. So, if you have nothing else to add, Brian, I'd say we we put a bow on this baby, and uh, we'll get ready for the next week's podcast, my man.
1: Yeah, no, I I think we want to remind people that uh, it's a great opportunity if you have any pet peeves, sports pet peeves that you're interested in telling us about then that would be great. That's, uh, let's talk about those. Let's spend, uh, spend uh, a period of time for our next, uh, next show doing that. We do that. We can do love it or hate it and, uh, and go from there.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian, again, man. I'm glad we're back. I, I, you know, we had a bye week, but we're back, and we're back at the right time. A lot of stuff happening sports coming up. Some biggest set peeves. Let us know about that. So, for Brian Rosen, this is Brian Diardo. Signing off for the Rose Show, and catch us next week as we continue to delve in to whatever we want to talk about in the world of sports.